Hello and welcome to the Windy Waves podcast. Today we have big wave surfer Will Scudin on the line to talk about getting the bid for a full-time spot on the Big Wave World Tour this year. We talked to him about growing up as an East Coast surfer on the Big Wave World stage and how his background in swimming helped prepare him for the mental toughness required for huge surf. Will is a really awesome guy. Uh, I had the pleasure of sitting down with him and his girlfriend Jen last month while we were all in Puerto Rico and was really impressed with how modest and approachable he seemed considering the heroics of what he does for a living. I guess I just assumed that all big wave surfers were full of insane energy and adrenaline 24-7, and maybe some are, but not in this case. Will has a very calming way about him. Anxiety doesn't seem like a word he's familiar with. And when 40-foot walls of water pick you out of the lineup to march toward, you have to be cool-headed enough to hold your ground and trust your positioning versus paddling like mad for the horizon. I guess that's what separates big wave surfers from the rest of us. We're looking forward to following Will's season this year as the first waiting period kicks off late next month. He's really a testament to hard work, determination, and dedication, and I can't wait to see it all unfold on the big wave world stage in 2017. Enjoy the show. I thought thought we could start off um, with you just kind of taking us through um, a little bit about your history in Long Beach and um, and kind of, I think for most of us, we're really kind of excited to hear from your perspective what it's like to be on the big wave world stage coming from Long Beach, Long Island. Maybe we could start there. Well, I grew up in a um, like third generation. I'm the third generation surf family in Long Island. So my my grandpa surfed, my parents surfed, and now it's us. So, yeah, my family was a huge influence on who I am. I, you, I think we're all at some some level a product of our upbringing. So for me, um, yeah, just you know, um, you know, I have a deep heritage of ocean lifeguarding and swimming and surfing that runs, you know deep, deep into, to my grandpa. My grandpa was like friends with Charlie Bunger and, you know, all those beach boys and Gilgo back in the day. And like all those old school pictures that you guys, that we all grew up like seeing, you know, with the hundred pound boards on cars and, you know, just like the good old, almost like, almost like when surfing was like as popular as it is today, like had like a moment back in the fifties and stuff where it was like, really popular and then it kind of like took a dive but um you know when that surfing boom was going on during like my grandpa's like I think it was probably like right after like World War II area time where surfing really like caught on mainstream and Long Island was a huge huge area where I mean there was it was actually crowded um back in the day um it was way more it was just as crowded as it was back then as it is now. Um, but, you know, obviously, like, surfing took, you know, went kind of took a dive in the in the 70s and 80s um, and then started coming back up in the 90s, you know, as far as popularity goes. But, yeah, I was just born into a, uh, a heritage of, of, of water sports. So I was just really blessed that God put me where he put me. You know, I'm stoked. It's such a awesome lifestyle I got to grow up in. 
Yeah, and it, well, <clears throat> the other thing that we're curious to know, though, is like so. But coming from the East Coast and being on the Big Wave World Tour, uh, tell us a little bit about sort of um, kind of how you prepare for that and what what's involved. What can can in other words, can somebody come from just about any ocean environment and and train to be a big wave surfer, or does it come down to yeah. really having access to to, to travel and and for you to be away from home a lot of the time in order to really be able to get the, the level of training and the level of experience that you need to compete at that level? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, um, uh, if you grew up in, like, a shore break um, at all, like, if you were, like, a six-year-old hucking yourself off of little shore break slabs, um, then you were like training yourself at that age, you know, to really get quick, get to your feet and get under the lip. And if you take like all the best big wave surfers in the world, or even just all the best surfers in the world and you, and you shrink them all down to being six years old, I bet you, you see every single one of them standing up on a boogie board and getting under the lip on a three foot shore break. Right. And if you have that accessibility to a shore break and a beach break, you know, at your disposal growing up, whether it's, you know, Chile or Hawaii or Canada or Peru or, you know, Australia, if you have, you know, a playground up the block from where you grew up where you can, you know, learn how to get to your feet, then um, then I think that that's really all you need. I mean, once you get to the ages of, like, you know, anything between, like, 12 and 16 years old, you know, that's when you're going to have to have your parents' support and you're going to have to be able to start to travel a little bit more and, and uh, you know, open up your horizons a little bit. But as far as the fundamentals of, like, really becoming a big wave surfer, um, you don't need to be located in any area. You just have to be located near, near a heavy shore break. You know? <laughs> I guess, um, I guess so. And then I think you also need to have some kind of, you gotta have some kind of unique drive, right? Because I understand everything you're saying. And there's a lot of people who grow up along the coast who become lifelong surfers and they push themselves in all kinds of different water conditions and they feel comfortable at different size waves and different size swells and so on. But then there's a then there's a massive gap between your average surfer who spends their life surfing all kinds of different waves and people like yourself who are going out into surf that most of us will never ever see and most of us would never ever have any interest in pursuing even recreationally. But you know, in your case, on a professional level, to, to be committing to a tour like this and committing to a lifestyle where you're chasing big waves around the world. That's that's a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I've been obsessed with the whole idea of big waves since I was little. So I guess, like, in the back of my head, as I was that little kid growing up, playing in the ocean every day and going to swim practices every day and spending six hours in some body of water every single day my whole life, I think, you know, having this obsession with, like, watching, like, we didn't have, like, YouTube and all that, but, like, I remember just watching, like, the layered video over and over and 
I remember watching like every single surf video that was alive and then like every magazine and I was really obsessed with the whole idea of riding big waves. Um, it really, uh, it really like was just something that I was just always, when I was little, I used to draw pictures of big waves. Um, in my, you know, when I was supposed to be in math class, I would be drawing pictures of big <laughs> waves in my book. And I don't know, I just, just it's just something that I always like was fascinated by. I thought it was such a cool concept. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got, I got to meet Laird actually when I was 12. Um, he came to Long Island for his wife's volleyball tournament and he was surfing Lido. And, uh, I saw all these cameras on this guy and I ran down the beach. I was probably like 12 years old or yeah, something like that. And I ran down the beach and I saw this guy and, um, I didn't really know who he was at the time. Like I watched, I watched, I loved big wave surfing, but I didn't really like, I was so young. Like I just like the idea of big wave surfing. I didn't really, I wasn't like, didn't really know all, all the names, but, um, after this moment, I started to understand that there were certain people that stood out and, uh, yeah, I just got to surf with them for like two hours and, and, uh, we just had a really fun session and he was riding like a nine foot long board. I remember and duck diving it and I was like tripping that he was duck diving it. And, um, yeah, we just had a good session together. It was just like me, one of my friends and Laird and we just surfed for like two hours and then, uh, he, you know, cheered off, cheered for our waves and stuff. And then after that, I went back and I told my dad <laughs> who the guy, cause I tried to, I try to remember the name. My dad was like losing. He was like, no way. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What are you talking about? So then they, my dad was like, he had to figure out if I was like, some guy was messing with me or if it was true. <laughs> right. So he found, he found out that Laird, yeah, like through the grapevine of surfers in New York, he found out Laird was in town for the Goodwill games for Gabrielle Reese. And, uh, and yeah, I had a cool session. So I think after that moment, I was kind of like, I got to like see in person one of the people that do it, you know? Right. Like pretty much the godfather of the sport. And, yeah. um, I think like at that moment, I can't say for a fact, you know, but I think something must have happened in my brain at that moment where I was like, this is real, you know, where like you can actually, you don't have to like look up to people. You can actually be people. Um, like you always look up to people, but you can become them. Um, and like when you see the real human in, in flesh, you know, it kind of gives you that, that, that thing in the back of your mind that like it's, it's obtainable, you know? That's a, yeah, that's a very cool concept. Yeah, you're right. I mean, these guys, you know, they're celebrities when you see them in movies and TV and so on and so on, but to be able to sit, to be able to meet them and see them in person, yeah, it makes it feel that much more real. And, um, yeah, Kevin and I got to meet him this, uh, last summer in California. And I agree. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's an, it's an empowering feeling. It's a, it's an awesome feeling to be able to stand next to somebody like that and feel their energy. And then you, you realize what, you realize kind of what makes them so special is that the aura that, that just comes off of them is pretty intense. And, um, yeah, but to be able to go out and go surfing with him. But just two other people had to be really unique, really kind of special. And it's really nice to hear that even when Laird's, you know, in New York, 
um, and traveling with, with Gabby that he's, uh, he's that, he's that addicted and committed to surfing that he's going to take time to go out and, and surf while he's there. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Then I got to turn off this deep of my cell phone through my computer. <laughs> you guys hear that? Uh, yes, there's a little chiming like coming in. Yeah, I just got to figure out. How it's to a turn highly that tech off. world, man. There's all kinds of devices, and I only know how like half of them work. But yeah, I got to. Uh, if I could turn that off, everything would be fine. Um, maybe I'll just cancel out of this whole thing. Um, well, we'll, all right. One thing that oh, yeah, a lot of people, one thing that a lot of people Sorry. know about you is is obviously you have um, a, a very deep swimming background um, that you and your brothers all share, like going all the way back to your to your mother, I think. And mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting just to hear. I think so. When I think about people who who really want to push themselves in terms of you know the, the size of waves that they ride, and you were to ask them. You know, what are the building blocks to gaining the level of comfort that you need to really um, challenge bigger surf? I think I think a lot of people would agree that, you know, being a strong swimmer is probably one of the greatest skills that you can have when it comes to challenging, challenging yourself in, in big ocean condition. Um, so maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit about like your your swimming background and kind of how that played into um, you know, your, your dedication to surfing and, and how far you've gone in terms of your, uh, your surfing background. Yeah. I mean, we have a saying at Scoot and Surf at our surf camps that, um, uh, um, if you can't swim out, don't paddle out. And, um, you know, like swimming is everything. It's the backbone of, of surfing. You eventually you will, you won't have your board and, your whole life will be based on your uh, swimming ability. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a very competitive swimming environment. Every single human in my family um, older than me went to college for swimming. I was, I literally was the first person not to. And then after me, nobody went, (laughs) but, uh, but, uh, you know, the people, a couple of the cousins went lacrosse and my little brother went to the Marines and, but, um, but yeah, I mean, every single person older than me in my family swam for college. Wow. Um, so like my uncles, my aunts, my mom, my dad, my brothers, like everybody swam for college. Cliff swam for, uh, East Carolina University. David swam for the University of Hawaii. My dad swam for Temple. Mom swam for Delphi. Uncle John was a swim coach at St. John's um, University. Um, you know, Uncle John's, oh, you know, coach of the year this year for swimming coach of the year, like swimming and pool swimming and all that has just been like, it's everything to us. Like it's, it is like what we are. We're defined as swimmers and then surfing is secondary. Um, it's a hundred percent secondary in my life. And, um, so yeah, I think that this, the growing up with the backbone and swimming and being able to be comfortable in pretty intense environments in the ocean without a board is really important to where I am today. Um, there's just no way I would be able to overcome the mental obstacles that you have to overcome when you put yourself in situations um, 
you know, out there and that size of surf without, without a swimming background, you know, just, you know, I feel like that's something that I might have, um, up on some of my competitors is, you know, that part, like where a lot of these guys are really just natural surfers. They were born with a board. Um, you know, I was born without a board, you know, <laughs> so, tell, talk so yeah, to me, I mean, tell us a little bit about like the mental side of it. You just mentioned that's, I think that's, uh, obviously a, a really good, a really good point. And that's a huge part of sort of the differentiators between surfing really, really big waves and going out and being sort of an average surfer, surfing average waves. But, um, and I've heard this from when we talk to other people as well, but tell us a little bit about like your training and, and specifically like how the mental side of your training comes into, into play. Well, yeah, I mean, just mentally, um, there's a straw that has to be broken, like in your brain, um, at some level to be able to really push yourself when it gets to the size that we've been trying to push ourselves. Um, and it just takes time. Like, I don't think that I'm like some special person that's like, like, I think that anybody could do what I do. Um, it just takes time. You know, it really does. Like I'm going on 15 years of surfing big waves right now and 10 years of like, honestly pushing myself. Um, and it just took me a long time because I feel like, the last two years I've really gotten to really find out where, where I stand as far as like catching like, you know, the set waves and catching big waves and like mentally, you know, seeing a set coming in at Nazare and seeing the whole horizon go black and not sure, like you have to be willing to get cleaned up. You know, you have to understand and accept the fact that, you know, these waves are going to possibly break on you or you might be in the perfect spot to catch it. And like, you can't paddle for the horizon. You have to, you know, maintain your, your spot in the lineup and trust that you pick the right place to be. And like, you have to, uh, you have to commit to catching the waves, you know, where, you know, your instincts are telling you to paddle for the horizon. So I feel like in later, earlier in my life, you know, like, you know, I've gone on waves that have come to me and, um, and I've positioned myself, you know, I try to really be tactical about the waves I catch and not be reckless cowboy, you know. I'm really trying to be smart about about this lifestyle so that I can continue to do it. And, um, and yeah, just recently I just feel like um, something's changed mentally where, um, yeah, I'm ready now to go when it's big. And, and I would like to figure out how big big is you know i want to see how far we can actually take this sport as far as the size of the actual waves we can humanly paddle into um it really intrigues me to see like like if we'll ever really like hit that day where it's oil glass with no wind and that big and and it's honestly like where the waves are moving too fast where we honestly can't paddle into them like we haven't really had that day yet so uh yeah just I think it's like a cool time for the human um, and the sport of big wave surfing because we're really starting to find out, you know, what we're capable of as far as paddling into big waves. And, you know, obviously, like I said, a lot of it just comes down to being, you know, mental 
preparation, you know? So, yeah, it's hard for me to talk on that side of things because, like, it's weird because unless you kind of, like, it's just so many years of so many wipeouts and so many times paddling for the horizon and so many what-ifs and, oh, I should have went on that one and, and uh, you know, so hitting the bottom at Mavericks, hitting the bottom at Jaws, hitting the bottom at, like, all these places, like, um, you know, near-death experience where I almost died at Toto's. Like, like if if every, like, wipeout was a scar, I'd be full of them, you know what I mean? I literally wouldn't be able to recognize me. So, like, you know, I just feel like it's all those scars and all those wipeouts add up to something, you know. They don't add up to nothing, you know. So what's, what I feel like is happening in my life is that, like, all those moments have actually added up and uh, I'm starting to be able to, like, the fruit is coming out of the tree finally, you know, and I'm able to, to enjoy it a little bit more and uh, able to see, see, like, what's, you know, my brain is a different, I have a different chemical balance now than I used to as far as fear, as far as surfing fear goes. I mean, I'm still scared of plenty of other things, but as far as what I've been training my body and my mind to do, I feel like it's starting to click in now. So I'm kind of excited about it. Wow. You think a lot, of, and it sounds like a lot of that, that comes from past experience and just a culmination of a lot of big wave surfing and a lot of, a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different situations that basically. Yes, big wave surfing is beautiful. If you think about it, like, you're never the man, you know, you'll never, all you could do is match the ocean. You can never beat it. You can never, you're always second, you know, and I feel like in life, if you put yourself second, um, your whole life, cause you're second to the ocean, you know, you can't ever, can never be the best, like, cause the ocean will always be the best. So it's kind of a cool concept because it always keeps you grounded. And like, whenever you feel like you're hot, whenever you feel like you're hot shit and you feel like you're, you're dominating or you feel like you're, you're doing so good. You, you end up hitting the bottom of the ocean and fighting for your life. Or, you know, as soon as you're feeling so good, you, you, you have a moment where you are fighting for your life. So I feel like it's a great sport that just keeps you grounded about like who you are as a human, you know, and as, as soon as you let your, like, your, you know, as soon as your <laughs> ego kind of like wants to kind of, you know, get pumped up, you kind of just get deflated right away. And um, I've just been blessed to be able to be in a sport that builds you up but then knocks you down. Um, and uh, it's really helped me stay grounded as a human, you know. It doesn't – you sound pretty grounded. You sound like a pretty calm, relaxed, mellow guy, you know. And it seems like obviously this sport is – keeps you humble. But I, I don't – I don't – doesn't seem like you're the kind of person that needs help being humble. It sounds like you're already naturally pretty humble. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, if you look at like a, a cocky human, you know, most of the time they're very insecure when you're not around and they're really um, not happy with who they are as a person. It's just, it's all an act, you know, like someone that's boasting and someone that's claiming and it's, if you really break down the break it break them down, you know, they're not happy people. So I feel like it's one of those 
like a surfer, you doesn't have to be a big wave surfer. Like surfing in itself, like you just find a moment, you find these moments where you're put back in your place by Mother Nature, and it really helps us. You know, in other sports, you can master other sports, you can master other things, and and you can be, become amazing in other sports. So it's easy to get you know caught up in your own in your own self but with with what with what we do is not not just big waves but with anybody that has a relationship with the ocean it's like you know it's just a beautiful sport because like you'll always you know get put in your place by the ocean no matter what even it could be a three i almost i sprained my neck on a three-foot day body surfing you know what i mean like that happened you know so you know, it's just one of those things where it's just a beauty. I mean, I, for us, I think like I'm speaking for you and I'm speaking for Kevin and all you guys up there. And, you know, it's just like something that always will keep us grounded. It's, you know, it's, it's cool, man. It's, we're blessed to have that, you know, the, the move, the moving element underneath us, you know, so many of these sports, it's just, you're standing on a field, you're standing on a cliff, you're standing on, you know, it's just like, it doesn't move. It's there. It's the skate park. It's the same thing over and over. You mastered it. You got your line. You, you know, this is like, no matter who you are, what board you surf or where, which wave you decide to surf, like every single day you're going to get put in your place, you know, one way or another. So it's, it's just rad, you know, it's like, well, we can really, it's, you know, having that relationship with the ocean definitely, I feel like it's an element that, you know, really gets deep into the human brain a little bit more than other sports, you know? Absolutely, Will. Um, hey, Will, it's Kev, by the way. I just kind of robbed the mic from Russ. But uh, I just want to say um, congratulations, man, on making the tour. Um, and Thanks, I know- yeah, dude. And I know like a lot of our audience out there too is super, super pumped. Um, especially being from the East Coast, cause we feel like it's a win for us. Um, you know, even there. before social media, you know, every time an East Coast surfer popped up in the mags, we were always like amping, you know, it's like, oh, win for us. So, um, we're all super excited. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, I just want to know like, you know, what you did to prepare for this season. Um, you know, what stop you're, you're really looking forward to the most. And, uh, you know, what board, um, you know, your equipment, like, what are you looking for to, uh, to ride at these events? Right on, Kevin. Well, thanks for that. You know, that's the, like the, all the support that like I'm getting from not just like New York, but like everybody from the East coast has been like, so it's so rad, man. It's like, it's just like, it makes me want to go so much harder. So I really appreciate that. And yeah, that means the world to me. And like, you know, I'm not just talking out my ass. Like, it really does mean a lot to me. So I really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, as far as, like, equipment and events, like, you know, it's a constant evolution with the equipment. And, and uh, the places, I, I, you know, we all, like, getting barreled. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, Puerto Escondido is definitely, like, so sick that that place is on the Big Wave World Tour because – you know, it really shouldn't be kind of because it's kind of like just a sick beach break, you know? Um, I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but it, I mean, thank God it is because like we can get barreled, you know? And at the end of the day, I mean, you got to think about like last year, like Twiggy was getting like 10 point barrels, like pipeline barrels in a big wave surfing competition. Like that's 
so good for the sport. It's, it's so sick. It's putting eight to nine foot boards in, in, you know, 30 foot barrels. Um, you know, that's the dream, you know, uh, I mean, to get barrel, to surf a big wave, but also to get barreled. So I think that spot, um, is my favorite spot on, on, on the tour. Um, you know, straight up just because there's the opportunity to, you know, pull into a 30 foot cave and get spit out. And, um, you know, I mean, you can't really beat that at, at, at these other locations. You know, I know that some guys are doing it at Jaws, but on my backhand, it ain't happening. You know, I could try my hardest. <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade here. So yeah, like, you know, like I think that that's that spot. I'm more excited about that spot than any other spot on tour as far as like quality of wave goes. Um, you know, it could be close, close out some times kind of like last year was pretty closed out but you still you might not come out of the cave but you're still pulling into them and you know and just getting those views is pretty sick you know even if you're surfing and not in an event but i'll be riding like anywhere between like an eight six and a nine six i was on too big of a board out there last year i was on a ten two and when the swell dropped and the next day and we had the final the semifinals and the final like actually the board kind of worked in the semis but then the final it dropped quite a bit and i should have switched to my eight six and i didn't i stayed on the ten two and it was just way too much board um so i got some new boards being built you know i got a nine nine and um an eight six um that i'm really happy with down there jesse fernandez is my shaper wrv uh, wave riding vehicles are the boards that I've been riding since I was 15 years old. Jesse's, Jesse's been shaping my board since I was 16. Um, so we have like a beautiful relationship when it comes to equipment. And, uh, yeah, mostly I'll be riding quads. I do like the thruster a little bit more in a barrel. Um, it definitely helps you pivot, um, and definitely get over the foam balls a little bit more. So I might, I might, be riding a thruster depending on the size um if it's smaller i'll be riding an eight six thruster and if it's bigger i'll be riding like a nine nine or a nine six quad um and i like the quads because it just tracks off the bottom really gives you that like that extra boost off the bottom that you kind of need and really tracks down the line um but then you know in the barrel it's good too but it's i just there's something about the center fin in the barrel um, that I really enjoy, but if it's huge Porto, you're, you're almost just going for those giant pocket rides. You're not really getting that, that deep when it's massive. Um, cause the wave will just outrun you if you're too deep. So you kind of have to be almost like going for the shoulder the whole time and letting the wave catch you not coming from behind it. So as the wave gets smaller, you can start coming from behind it because you can actually go faster than the wave, but when it's massive, you can't go faster than the wave. So you have to almost take off on a shoulder and let the wave kind of catch you and, you know, barrel you. So you have to kind of, you're more shoulder hopping and stalling when it's massive, but then when it's smaller, you're, you know, you're more going for the traditional behind the peak surfing, you know? Right. Right. So it's, it's, there's definitely things you learn over the time, over time. Cause you would think, Oh, why wouldn't you just backdoor it when it's huge too? Like, um, and like, <laughs> you know, like that's fine. You can, but you probably won't make your way. You know, there's like a 90% chance you're not going to make your way if you're coming from behind the peak when it's 40 foot. 
uh, at Porto, you know. Will, take us through a, um, uh, so this is a unique perspective that only you and a few other people can really share, right? But take, take us through sort of everything that's happening when you're paddling into a giant wave. And let's, let's talk about like the both scenarios. Let's talk about paddling into a wave that you, where you get barreled and, and spit out. And then talk to us about a wave where you see a section closing up in front of you and you know you're going to go down. And kind of what happens? It was like the blackout moment, man. I don't remember this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's how you're able to do it over and over again, is because uh, there's that fortunate amnesia that kicks in that just makes you forget what actually happened. Yeah, you know, it's definitely there's an element to to like um, you know just living in the moment where you don't remember every detail, but you know, before you know you're going to wipe out, you definitely locate your, now that we have these, like, safety devices that we wear, um, you know, locate your uh, your pull cord, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you know you're going to wipe out. Because you don't know how hard you're going to hit, you know, you don't know if you get sucked over the falls or, you know, in, a, in an event, I like to pull, like, it just depends on the event, to be honest, but you want to conserve energy. So, you know, the faster you come to the surface, the more that you, so I like to use the, um, you know, you use the, the, the life-saving vest and stuff, you know, to conserve energy throughout the event. You know, that's kind of the concept behind that, not necessarily to save your life, but just to, to, just to keep, save your energy from, from fighting it. Um, right. And then, I, you know, the, in the moment that you, when you see it and you go for a wave, it kind of, it's just like normal surfing where you see a wave and it kind of picks you. You don't really pick it. You know, you kind of like, it, it gives you the opportunity to catch it and just kind of like, oh, this one's perfect. You know, you, you, you guys all know the deal. Like you're right, out there, you're right. waiting for a wave and all of a sudden the one that you've been waiting a half hour for comes right for, right to you. It has a perfect, you know, look to it and, and, and just, you know, you know, it's your time to go and, and you know, those moments, because when you don't go in those moments, you have that, I don't care who you are or what size wave or anything. You have that right afterwards. You're like, you know, beep, beep, beep. You know, you're like cursing up a storm because you know, you know, you missed that opportunity. Cause when that wave goes by, you could see, you see the entry and you're like, ah, oh, man. So I think it's about recognizing those moments and then just saying like, you know, you just got to go. I mean, I sometimes play tricks with myself that, like, if I don't catch a big wave that, like, like in order to survive, like, I have to go. You know what I mean? Like, there's no not going. There's no, like, there the not going option isn't there. You know, I try to try to kind of take away that out of my brain, like, that option of opting out. I don't really give myself that option if there's an opportunity. You know what I mean? Right. right. It's, hard to, it's hard to explain, but, like, if there's an opportunity, as soon as I see the opportunity, there's no um, – I try not to give myself an option to, to, to opt out, you know? It's right. Just, you have to be all in. I, I mean, we, I think yeah. we all get that, even at any size. Like, you have to go. If you, if you know that wave has picked you, which you poetically put so perfectly – if the wave picked you, you you gotta go and you gotta be fully committed and you just have to put your head down and paddle. Yeah, I mean I had a wave pick me in the Nazare challenge that 
I wouldn't have had a chance in hell. Um, you know, it was a beautiful, it was probably the tallest wave I've ever paddled for in my life. It was probably a 60 foot face and it was literally an A frame I saw from like four minutes away that was marching in right at me and I was <laughs> in the apex of it and it just, I couldn't not go. I mean, and it sent me like flying through the air and it was the most intense 1.07 I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> was, That's just not fair. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty messed up. At least give uh, me a two, right? I know. Come on. Those guys are heartless. Or maybe a three. I kind of needed, I needed like a 4.5 or a five to make the heat. So no matter, you know, uh, no matter what they would have gave me for that, I wasn't making the heat. But um, unless I made the drop, I mean, it was a ten-point wave, and there's no doubt about it. It was a it was a huge wave. Um, it was a massive wave. It would have been, you know, made, probably the biggest wave of my life if I made the drop. Um, and I just got lip launched. And if you look at the footage of the wave and you see all the the ribs and the bumps going up the face of the wave, like. I know I've been surfing Nazareth. You're not really supposed to go on the first wave of the set. And, you know, I just, I let that all kind of slip to the side, but I, and I saw an opportunity and I went and, um, you know, I visualized, my mom had me visualizing since I was a little kid in my swim races. Like literally, I'm not even joking with you. I was like a seven year old with a Mohawk with a flowered shirt, getting ready and visualizing behind the blocks to swim a 50 freestyle when everybody was looking at me like a weirdo. Um, <laughs> so visualization is something my mom has taught me since I was little. So, you know, in my mind, I made that wave, you know, before I went for it. And uh, obviously, you know, everything you visualize doesn't quite happen um, all the time. So, so yeah. So, you know, like I saw the opportunity in, in, in my mind, it was going to be a, a 10 and it was going to be, you know, the best wave of my life, maybe, you know, on a huge stage. And it turned out to be a beating of a lifetime. And, and, um, I was on the back of a jet ski for like 12 minutes afterwards, um, literally screaming just to keep my adrenaline and momentum going. And then, you know, got dropped off out the back and eating one wave and the whole ocean went quiet for eight minutes, but like I couldn't move my arms. I was so exhausted. The beating was vicious. I, sprained a muscle in my lower back. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how I, you know, tweaked my knee. I didn't even know I was injured until the next, you know, the next day. Um, but anyways, wow. yeah. So you get those up, you know, you see them in their opportunities and then as quickly as they're, you know, the wave of your life is as quickly as you're, you're fighting for your life. So it's, it's definitely like, you know, you can play your cards right all you want, but, um, you know, you're going to have those moments. And, uh, if I go back in time, I wouldn't have done anything different. Actually, I, but I wouldn't have went on that wave no matter what, because it came right to me. And, you know, I, I was just, I feel like, I feel like if I paddled over it, I would have been thinking about that wave for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. You know? That would have been worse. That would have been worse than the pounding. I'm sure. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. And it's I didn't an opportunity. To be honest, I thought I got knocked off the tour because of that, because if two other people did well, I would have got, or one other person did a little bit better in that event, I would have got knocked out of the top eight, and they only take eight on the tour, and I've been, like, literally kicking and scratching to get on this tour for the last 10 years, and, you know, 
I had the two finals back to back and all I had to do was really was to make that heat to be like secure in the top five. And, um, and I knew I needed to make that heat. And I really thought I watched my, um, I really thought like, like mm-hmm. when I was walking up the beach, it was a lot of emotion. You know, I really thought I watched like my, my chances of getting a full, full time spot on tour, you know, slip away. Um, and I was just lucky that I ended up eighth and, and I got on the tour this year and like, you know, I wasn't guaranteed a spot into the next event. You know, I, I, I got into these events, you know, uh, with alternate slots and wildcard spots from, you know, the first event I got in from an alternate slot from the overall performance alternate. And then the next event I got in because I made the final of the previous event. And then the next event I got in because I made the final of the previous event. And then that event I lost first heat. So if they were to hold Toto's, like I wasn't guaranteed a spot. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I just let this whole, like these, you know, these, this opportunity slip away. So I'm just really thankful that I have, you know, that it worked out in my favor and that I'm going to be able to, you know, surf on the tour and not have to be you know, alternate next year. And, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, you know, it's like, it's funny how, you know, 15 years all boil up to like one wipeout, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> well, we're, we're so psyched for you, Will, and it's really interesting to hear your perspective about how hard you, how much time and how much work you put into getting on the tour and just how, how variable like the, the results and the conditions are, you know, to be making the finals in two events and then, and then having challenges, even like putting up scores and other events, it's, uh, I mean, emotionally, it's got to be a roller coaster, right? Because you never know from stop to stop kind of how it's going to go, how it's going to play out, how you're going to finish, and ultimately whether you're going to be able to secure your seat on tour. So it's got to be tough yeah. kinda dealing with ups and downs uh, on that. But Yeah, I've flown, you know, down to Chile and, and and been the first alternate out and not competed like i've i've you know done everything i could in my like i re- i love competing it's fun you know i really wanted to compete and uh but yeah i mean if you think about it like you know the whole process of like the big wave world tour and the way that they're doing it now and like watching the evolution of it and you know it's gary linden's vision and and um you know we're i'm i'm literally getting to kind of help prove the model that you can make the tour if you don't have a spot on tour you know and um you know it's it's very hard and it's and it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication and a lot of disappointment but you know, if you stay driven and you just stay focused and when you get an opportunity, you got to do something with it, you know, and, um, and if you just, you know, it's, it's definitely not easy. And, but, but if you just, you know, I think in anything in life, if you just never stop trying, eventually you're going to land on it. You know, you could play, think about it. It's like, if you just keep on playing black 26, eventually you're going to land on it. (laughs) 
Well, I see a strong future for you after surfing as a motivational speaker because uh, everything you're just saying, you sound, I mean, you're such an old, you sound like a very old soul and a person with a lot of experience, like a lot of lifelong experience that most of us will never achieve even in our longest lifetime. And I think that uh, you have an amazing attitude towards this pursuit and this goal. And, um, man, it's, I mean, it's a bit of a Hollywood story, honestly. I think people are going to be calling you for the screenplay, but it's a, it just feels really good to hear, um, all that hard work really paying off and you really getting to, to see the opportunity that you've worked so hard for. Um, I can tell you, I mean, I know all of us are going to be glued to our screens watching you this year and we're just going to feel so, so passionate about, um, as imagine, as, as so many people will. I mean, you have, Will, you have a lot of fans, as you know, but man, you, there's a lot of people in your court who are really, who are going to be cheering you on, as you know. And, um, it's just a great story, man. It feels really, really good. And it's, uh, it's so exciting to, to know that you're, you're at the cusp this year of, of being, of having a seat on the tour. And we just can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. It's been really fun surfing with you too. And like, um, just getting to meet you last week in Puerto Rico and stuff. And like some people, you know, uh, you know, there's just something that, you know, you could see in certain people that the ocean speaks through them. And, um, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm honored to, to talk to you because I think that you have a relationship with the ocean, um, and the water that, um, you know, is second to none you know i i really do i'm not just pumping smoke up your ass you know i'm really think <laughs> i really think that uh i think that you know like you could see it man this new hydrofoil thing we've been playing with and yeah dude you, you were like a grom out there man too bad you had to catch that airplane you you literally didn't get out of the water for like five hours that was pretty nuts um but yeah it's been fun man and, and you know as you will live and learn and i'm really excited to to see where this year goes and yeah just just um just try to be inspired by the stories around me and try to move forward and keep moving forward never never move back you know that's the idea and you know how cool is that own right story i mean that's just like oh, that, what, oh my god yeah. that's your hollywood story someone's definitely gonna write that one because that i mean just overcoming um it just shows you what's possible. You know, there's just so much out there that's so much more possible. We're humans. And like, I feel like we used to have more senses than we do now. Like, I feel like, I feel like, uh, right. we used to be able to, you know, really connect with earth and animals. And, and we used to have different sensories that, but now that we're getting a lot more numb to those sensories, we only believe right. what's in front of we don't, you know, think about it, you know, we actually just sit around all day long and just believe fake news. Like, that's what we do. Like, we don't really, like, if the, the you know, the human itself, like the very small percentage out there that really go out and enjoy this Mother Earth and really enjoy what is actually given to us, you know, um, and, you know, it's really cool to surround yourself around people that enjoy the same things that you do and actually have that same vision. So, yeah, I think you guys are definitely part of that team, and I'm really blessed to be able to share it with you guys. So thank you for having me. Well, well said. Well, I don't think I could do any better than that, wow. and um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the the and you're talking about instincts, you know. I mean, 
people's instincts um, need to get, I mean, it's just sharpening your instincts, you know, and just making sure that they don't get numbed out and you stay in touch with kind of those feelings. And um, yeah, I mean, the power of visualization that you talked about, I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in that. And it helps drive sort of optimistic feelings. You know, like every day I get up, I'm just so charged for the day because, um, oh, yeah. and I feel like I have, it's, it's all part of like having a plan and watching the plan unfold in front of you and seeing the little successes that get you further along the path you're trying to walk. And I feel like that happened for you big time this year. And, um, I think your, I think your mom and your whole family, I think was, was, was correct in that visualization is a is a very powerful tool and it, it's it's undeniably critical in helping guide all of us in terms of Absolutely. guide us along like where we want to go and where we want to be and um yeah this is uh yes, this has been great man what a great conversation and yeah. why i got a question for you what why why do you do these podcasts you know why do you and kevin get together and spend your time editing and putting together these podcasts? Because uh, I'm a yes man. Uh, I, you know, I like the idea of, I just, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for life enriching experiences every single day. So if I, it sounded like a fun it. thing to do and I was like, I was up for the challenge and I just thought it would be enriching. And it has been, yeah. it's been unbelievable. It really has. I think it's cool. I think it's important for, you know, whoever listens to these things to understand that, like, guys like you two that are going out of your way to talk to people to try to inspire, you know, and 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 that's what it's all about. And, you know, like, you're you, you woke up this morning and you wanted to talk to me and you maybe you'll talk to somebody else tomorrow. But, you know, you're going and you're 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 opening up, you know, this avenue and. And, you know, figuring out the technical, you know, things that we were trying to figure out this morning to get this thing done. And, and you're going out of your way to inspire. And, and that's, like, all you can really ask for, you know, as far as, like, when you say you wake up in the morning, you feel enriched. And you feel enriched because you're doing – you're making a difference. And and I think that people that listen to your podcast and the people that actually get to smell the coffee, um, you know, should realize that you know, you're, you're doing this to, to betterment your community. And, uh, and I appreciate that because that's something that, you know, I share with you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, thank you you thank guys you. are awesome. Yeah. Right, right back at you, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Great conversation, uh, pal. And I can't wait for the next one. I definitely want to talk to you again soon. Um, offline. Yeah. I got all actually kinds of things. So. But, yeah, let's uh, talk after I do something with it. I, I got to win one. I can't just sit around. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we'll be right on the beach and, and do the, the, the post-event interview with you in real time. That would be sick. Let's do awesome. it. I can't wait. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Great catching up, Will. All right. Right on, Kevin. Bye, Ross. Bye.